Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think a new team has arrived in the AFC West, and their name is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Herbert stops, launches deep. Jalen Guyton, he's got it. Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. 17-yard line, look out again. Intercepted! We are back with another episode of the Shock Therapy Podcast. I'm Tyler Lawrence. With me is my co-host, Zach Alfers. Zach, did you see that we made it onto the top 10 list of top Chargers podcasts in 2022? From I know. I, I was stoked to see that. We have so much competition, for one, but I'm, I'm glad we made it on the list. There's a lot, like I was just mentioning, Like, there's a lot of Chargers podcasters getting after it. So the fact that we are mentioned with the best of them... Um, I was really excited to to hear that news. Yeah, I did see that. So we fell on seventh, uh, in seventh place. Number one was the Chargers Podcast Network, obviously. Uh, Locked on Chargers, number two. Guilty as Chargers, number three. Uh, Bolts from the Blue, which is actually the Lightning Round podcast. Uh, and then the two that were ranked up above us haven't recorded in like a year or two. That is uh, yeah. Believe in LA Football, part of the LA Football Network. Uh, they've been kind of replaced with um, uh, Chargers Chat, or sorry, Chargers Unleashed, J- Jake and Dan over there. Uh, then you have Charged Up Bolts, never even heard of them. Uh, and then the only two that were not listed that are pretty high on, on my list uh, is Chargers Chat and Chargers Unleashed, uh, specifically Chargers Unleashed. I know Chargers Brawl made its way onto there, but they haven't been recording with the Brawl Network in quite some time. And then another up-and-comer that I kind of want to talk about, Mills on the mic. Have you had a chance to listen to any of Jennifer Mills' stuff? No, I know she started one, um, and I, I'm pretty – I follow Jen a lot on, on a lot of social media, but I haven't had a chance to listen to her podcast. I didn't realize – I had just seen that she was starting one. I didn't realize she had already recorded a, an episode. Yeah, so she's actually recorded a handful of episodes. She's taken oh, really? kind of a – 
a, a different take on uh, Chargers podcast, more uh, fan centric, fan engagement, talking about kind cool. of the players and their charities and what they do with them. Uh, one of the cool ones that she did was actually her fan of the year vote. Uh, she she talked about that whole process and kind of um, how she was uh, recommended for it, how she ended up winning it, what it was like to go to the Super Bowl, the award ceremonies, all of the cool stuff that the fans of the year right. got to do. So that was actually a really, really cool podcast. Uh, if you want a kind of a different take, she doesn't really get into the stuff that we're going to get into later, which is actual like games or anything. It's more centric around the fans, the players. I know I spoke with her briefly uh, about a week ago. She said that she's going to be interviewing uh, Rayshon Slater's wife, which is going to be like kind of an interesting take. Yeah. Uh, And it's all kind of just like cool, different ways of um, getting a different view from the Chargers organization, which I thought was really, really cool. That's all. Yeah, that is a a unique take, a a unique perspective. I'm I'm glad she went that route um, because she's the who knows it better than, you know, Jen with all those experiences so involved in in the community. So um, it's awesome that she's getting a little, you know, shout out there. And then, yeah, I'll have to definitely check that out. I'm always trying to get more involved with Charger stuff because I feel like out here in Sacramento kind of removed from the community. So trying to find my my charger fandom out here so yeah she actually uh she had enrique on the uh president of diehard bolt club uh she did a whole interview on him which is really cool i really like her stuff man uh not just because she's like a genuine person but her her whole take on everything is incredible i i just i like it a lot so i'll have to check it out um let's talk a little bit about jc jackson's injury out two to four weeks you get a chance to take a look at that at all yeah, just just briefly kind of looking. I, I, I took a look at um, Daniel Popper's article right before we hopped on. Uh, I'm kind of just, I feel like if it's the best case, of, like the timetable works out. If he's going get, to get it taken care of, get it taken care of. It sounds like it wasn't anything necessary, just wasn't feeling 100%, so wanted to feel 100% kind of thing. So um I, I guess I'm all right with it now that it's coming out in preseason. He maybe so, go ahead. To my understanding, he has like an extra bone in his foot, toward of uh, the back of his ankle, kind of like uh, behind the Achilles tendon that is pinching when he he runs on it. Something he was born with, he's always had, and they ended up just removing it. So they didn't have to like go through the tendon or anything like that. It's it's just a minor procedure to. Uh, remove some discomfort he's had right. um and it's a just a uh a, a cut basically that needs to heal so nothing uh nothing it wasn't like an injury it was more of like a just a, a minor procedure to relieve some pain that he's been playing with for years um to, that's the way that i understand it so nothing that i'm really too concerned about um, just a, a minor procedure overall, something that nobody needs to really worry about. And the timing. One of the, go ahead. I was just going to say the timing is perfect. I, I'd rather it happen now than you know week one of the regular season. So um, good, good time to get it taken care of, and cause we're going to need him back because he's going to be a big part of this this team this year. Uh, one of the stories that I want to talk about next, Sid Brooks, our favorite equipment manager, 
Uh, this is going to be a prank. So one of those uh, readings that I was going to do out of this book that I found that was just amazing. Um, and so let's get into under arrest. So Eric Sievers, who was a tight end drafted in 1981, resided with his grandfather in San Diego during the rookie year. Uh, he was close to his grandfather and protective of him, but he hadn't considered his grandfather the night he made fun of Big Ed White. Ed put pressure on Eric to get up and sing one night in a dining room hall, a rite of passage for all rookies. Being a rookie, Eric didn't understand that he has no position to make fun of a veteran. Eric stood and began to sing, sing Big Ed White, why are you so big? Could it be because you eat pizza sandwiches? That night, after Eric had sung out, uh, sung about egg, the committee went to work. I called some of our friends at the police department and asked if they would help us put a cocky rookie in his place. The next day at training camp, Eric strutted around Ed as if he had won a boxing match. But Ed just chilled, saying nothing. Eric came into the locker room after practice, took a shower, whistling the Big Ed song as the water splashed around on him. But it was no laughing matter when the police stormed the locker room and surrounded Eric as he stepped out of the shower before he even had a chance to dry off. They showed him a wanted poster for him and said, you're under arrest for suspicion of murder, bank robbery, stealing cars, child abduction, and being armed and dangerous. Within minutes, the cuffs linked around his wrists while the police read Eric's rights. <laughs> he goes, Eric goes, I'm naked, looking for someone to come to his aid. There were 107 men in camp, but not one of them offered a word. I slipped between the policemen and wrapped a towel around Eric before the police placed him in the back of the squad car. The officers started the car and began to drive off slowly, allowing the large audience of players to witness Eric being driven away. I banged on the car window yelling, who can I call Eric? Eric hung his head. He hadn't, uh, he wasn't about to tell his grandfather and the subject, the old man uh, to, to shame. The police car cruised as if to a funeral procession with Eric in misery, everyone just stared. When the car pulled around the corner from the locker room, Ed stood in the street. The police stopped the car and left Eric on the street in front of Ed. Don't fuck with me ever again, rookie, Ed said, hardly containing his laughter. Eric sung his school song the night before without being asked. Wow. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> For a joke. I mean... Wow. Yeah. Don't make fun of Ed White, I guess. Jeez. Yeah. I just thought that was my favorite story in the entire thing that I read is Eric Sievers, who, you know, was drafted, basically replaced Kellen Winslow, um, didn't didn't pay his rookie dues. And Ed White had the final laugh. That's hilarious. Yeah. They let that go on a little too long. I, I'm surprised they it got to that point. Um <laughs> 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 what a what a story, by the way. What a prank. This guy's thinking he's going to prison for murder, has no idea yeah. what happened, terrified out of his mind, gets handcuffed. All of that ended up happening. And I think that was the best story in the entire book. Super, I guess, yeah. Ed must have been super offended about the pizza sandwiches remark because I, I feel like that is so overkill of a, you know, a response. <laughs> Well, it was also that he was like whistling it. So they used to make rookies uh, sing uh, during the, the, the team lunches before right. training camp or after training uh -huh. camp, or whatever it was. And he didn't want to sing. And then when he did sing, he ended up making fun of Big Ed White. And uh, yeah, that didn't yeah. work out too well for him. So haul the way naked in the back of a police car. That's one way to go about it. Yeah, don't don't mess with that guy.
All right, so let's talk about this preseason game against the Cowboys. Um, the first thing we, we can really talk about is the special teams. Uh, the, the team allowed two return touchdowns, one kickoff, one punt, both to the same player, Kevontae Turbin, who is the United States Football League MVP. Um, let, let's talk about it. Give me your thoughts on this terrible special teams outing. Yeah, um, not so special. I mean – what is there to say? The coverage was, was poor. It was a, a decent return, but I feel like, I don't know, man. Um, the bodies that were out there, a lot of guys that we were, were expecting to play a lot of special team minutes um, in a, 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 a in the preseason game where, you know, that was supposed to be the only live reps we really get all, all of camp. So for them to have those just two very, very egregious efforts in the, the two returns that they had. Um, it, it, it's, it's pretty concerning. Um, we don't need them to be elite any means. I think com- just mediocre would be a major upgrade over the last couple of years of the special teams units the Chargers have rolled out. Um, but just with those two plays alone um, look a lot similar to the effort and the talent that we've been getting the last couple of seasons. So I am, I, super not worried I, I think preseason is a good time to is a, is a good time to learn right um you want these learning experiences now as opposed to week one or week five um but still not loving what i'm seeing from that unit i have i've yet to be impressed um really by any any of the coverage teams i've seen so far in the two preseason games um and those those the the touchdowns were just horrible um just left me jaw dropped just so angry because um, it, it seemed uh, it seemed like we could I didn't like our effort our effort in that game just from the opening snap kind of reminded me of the effort that you saw from this team when those back-to-back blowouts against uh, Baltimore and New England last season and then similar to the the energy we had when we got we got beat by the Texans when our season was on the line. So I don't love the energy we played with. Um, I think that was a big problem with the whole performance and it really kind of shined in the, in those two return touchdowns we allowed Um, did not like the energy we played with on Saturday. So the kickoff unit, um, I went back and and looked and saw exactly who was out there. So it was JT Woods, who's going to make the 53 man roster. He's going to play special teams. It was Troy Reader, who's going to make the roster play special teams. Eamon Ogbong-Pamiga, who made the roster last season. I think he's kind of a bubble player. Uh, Joshua Kelly, who's going to make the roster. And then Mm -hmm. our kicker. Um, The other remaining guys there, Damon Lloyd, Raheem Lane, Dean Leonard, uh, Keeman Hall, Cole Christensen, and Brandon Sebastian, all six of those players are going to struggle. I think Damon Lloyd has a, a chance to make the roster as well. Uh, for the punt units, it was Josh Harris, JT Woods, Troy Reader, J.K. Scott, Xander Horvath, Larry Roundtree, Damon Lloyd. All three of those guys are uh, bubble players. Uh, Tyreek Maddox-Williams, Hunter Campmoyer, Raheem Lane, and Dean Leonard. So half of those players probably not going to make the roster, probably going to be replaced with guys like Michael Davis or Asante Samuel. Uh, Trey McKitty will get some opportunities out there. Uh, Kenneth Murray may not be available week one, may start off playing special teams, easing him in, Nick Neiman, Isaiah Spiller, Loie Gilman, Mark Webb, and Drew Tranquil. So you're going to you're gonna want to get 
better players on spe the special teams units. Now that kick returner, that punt returner, Kevante Turbin, he's a good player. He's he's yeah. going to make the Cowboys roster. But I'm not overly um, – I'm not scared yet because I think that you're going to get upgraded players to those units. Um, and hopefully these guys that are really struggling just to make the roster aren't the guys that are trotting out there on week one. Right. So, right. Uh, I guess just to piggyback off of that, um, you're right. There's going to be a lot of different faces on those coverage units come week one. And, and once we move to the regular season, but my concern, which is definitely controllable as a culture thing it was is the effort and for guys that are literally fighting for their livelihoods in this league for them to have that effort out there along half of guy half of the guys who are going to be on that those coverage teams that was what's concerning to me the, the level of effort just wasn't there it, if we come out there any game during a regular season with the effort we came out with on saturday we're going to get our, our you know asses kicked so that's why that was to me beyond just horrible coverage and the, the, the personnel groupings was just the effort that was put forward uh, across every guy that stepped on the field that game. I thought we started the game really hot. Um, and then I think as soon as we couldn't get in to and finish that drop, that opening drive with a touchdown and we settled for three, it kind of just, we, we, we just stopped playing. Um, and the Cowboys came out and kicked us in the mouth and we just did not respond well. Um, I did like what I, I saw from some of our receivers. I think our pass protection really struggled this game. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Josh Palmer, I mean, Josh Palmer took the screen in for the touchdown. He also had the uh, the contested catch that was like went for like 30, 40 yards. Um, I think he's yards. – I know that he ended up going out with a concussion kind of early in the game. I, I would be surprised if he plays this third game. I think that he's – kind of earned the rest. And I think that the concussion is something you want to step away from. And I want to see more of Michael Bandy because Michael Bandy through two games is like white hot. Michael Bandy's going to, to make this roster. I, I don't know how he does it. I think he showed enough. And I'm really excited to see a, a final showing from him in this third preseason game. I think mm -hmm. he makes this roster as a sixth wide receiver just based off of what I've seen. I think his vision looks very good. I think that his route running is is very much improved. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing if he can end up making this roster because based off the two preseason games we've seen, uh, he looks really, really good as a, a good, reliable, safety option for the quarterback who, when the play breaks down, Michael Bandy's going to be able to get open. Bandy's been, yeah, the, the MVP of the preseason so far. And if he can't score, wiggle away onto a really tight receiver room here in Los Angeles, he has definitely solidified an NFL roster spot somewhere in this league. There, there's no way he makes it through waivers. Um, he's going to be playing with somebody week one. I hope it is for us because I really liked what he's done for us so far in the preseason. Um, just hauling in everything thrown his way, has some good run after the catch ability. Um, yeah, I like what we've seen from Bandy. And then I was excited that we saw the Palmer explosion. He only had the three targets, but they were all big plays. Um, and that was really fun to see because that's what you want from guys who you're going to start in the regular season going up against inferior competition. You want them to dominate. Josh Palmer looked really good. And it was nice to see that after, you know, the first game where he had five targets. They were just all awful throws from Chase Daniel. Don't think he completed a, a had a single catch in the first week. So for him to respond with 
what a 75 yard performance with a touchdown. Um, I really like that. And that screen touchdown, our screen game so far has looked really, really good. I thought that was something that worked for us really well in week one. Um, we saw some tight end screens to Sage Surratt, which get me excited for, you know, Gerald Everett come regular season. Um, I think our screen game under this Joe Lombardi offense is going to be very, very big for us this year. And you're seeing a lot of success, some of our biggest plays so far this preseason have come off of a screen concept. So I'm excited for that part of the offense to kind of come together. I, uh, I wish we would have got to see more of Isaiah Spiller. I know Isaiah Spiller yeah. kind of hurt his ankle, ended up only having three carries. It was a bad run day for really the entire Everybody. running back room. Uh, a single Spiller, guy averaged over three yards a carry. Spiller yeah. just had his, his three carries, right? So we didn't even get to see him do anything more. There wasn't really no. running lanes available for him anyways. Um, I think the whole offensive line as a whole struggled from – Trey Pipkins, who should be the starter, uh, based off of what Daniel Popper has said, he's been taking all the first team reps. Uh, it looks like the decision has been made without it being said. Right. Um, just based off of the reports that you're getting from Popper, I'm not at training camp, so I can't really say that I I, I see something that I don't see. But um, Jamari Sawyer ended up struggling. Um, Zion Johnson didn't play a whole lot. But overall, the, the whole offensive line unit really struggled to, to create rushing lanes, and they struggled to give protection to Stick and um, uh, Chase Daniel. I, I think the quarterbacks came back to reality a little bit. Yeah. Um, they both struggled with ball placement. Uh, some of it, that was protection. Some of it was just missing the mark. Um, the interception from Stick wasn't great. I, both of them are going to make the roster. Daniel's going to be a mentor to, to him and uh, to Chase, to Stick and to Herbert. But in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a great day for either of them. Um, I, I think Stick and Daniel both make the roster regardless, but it is something to take note of. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Jamal Davis. I thought Jamal Davis really played well against the run. Uh, I think that there's a, a healthy competition between him and Amit. Boule, uh, who isn't completely healthy on who's going to make that final spot as the, that fourth edge rusher, assuming Cal Van Noy makes it as a linebacker. Um, that's going to, that's one of those guys is going to make the roster. In my opinion, it's, it's one of them too. I think Davis has been the better run defender, but Boule has been the better pass rusher. But when you look at long-term value, uh, Jamal Davis might be the better option because I think Boule is in his fourth year of the team. And just based off of you know, where he is at with his development with four years. I think I'm going with the younger guy. You can mold more into your own defensive scheme. Um, it is going to be something to, to monitor. I, I know we're, what, a week away from the 53-man cuts. Uh, and I do. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday they'll be finalized. This is the end. Last training camp was today. So we, we are so close to opening, opening day. Uh, we're going to get our final roster in less than seven days, six days. And I have roster predictions that we can get into a little bit toward the end of this episode, but that's just where I'm at with the Jamal Davis, make it boule uh, camp battle for that final spot. Uh, and Jamal Davis looks thick, dude. Like this dude is, uh, does not skip leg day for sure. Well, and I think he's a good complement with his ability to stop the run. Um, I just don't think with, you know, the head of that room, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, 
Chris Rumpf, you don't need more pass rush ability, right? Maybe just a guy to give him a break, but the, the pass rush getting after the quarterback is there. Those three guys can get it done for you and generate tons of pressure. Um, so I feel like another just a guy who can set the edge consistently um, isn't going to give up ground. A guy like Jamal Davis fits complements the room a little more than Egbule does. Um, like you were saying, just not um, as in, just not impressed from Egbule's progression. Um, it's really kind of just he he looks at like a very similar player to uh, the one we drafted four years ago. Yeah, he really does. I I have not seen what's the development. Di- really, what's different? I, yeah, and if you're number, looking. If you're looking at a player to make the roster for the next few years, are you extending Egbule? Like, yeah, let's be real here. It's he's not even the 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 fifth best pass rusher on this team right now. And if you look at interior guys, I'd even say he's even further down that chart. So, what value does he have this season, and what value does he have to the future, especially as a special teams player? And that's what his his core role is going to be as a special teams player because. A lot has to happen for Agbule to to play. Well, he did get one domino to fall in his way with the fact that a guy who was above him, who was performing really well in the form of Ty Shelby, has has not been practicing the last week or so because he's been dealing with his own injuries. Maybe that has left up, you know, an opening for Agbule, but he has. But that's not how you want to make the roster. You want to make the roster because you won that battle, and he's not winning that battle. No, he's not winning. but he has one more shot to to prove his worth. Um, so I, I'm expecting a, a big showing from a lot of guys on, on what is it, Friday. Um, just because the, the, the effort I saw uh, this last game, I was just not impressed with. And then the, really the last takeaway I have from this game, are you at all starting to become concerned about JT Woods? and kind of his what he has shown through camp because it's been awfully quiet to almost nothing but bad to, to say about his camp so far. Yeah, uh, I guess it concerned in it, it. I guess it kind of stems from what was your expectations of JT Woods. If you're expecting JT Woods to be a contributor, you know, in the first quarter of week one, then I think you're going to be let down. I don't think he's there. Um, I think we got a very young prospect who, who can't tackle. Um, he's very fast. He has very good instincts. He has tremendous range. He's lacking the main skill a defender needs, and that's tackling ability. Um, so give, give me uh, you know s- some more time with the guy. I'm not going to give up on him. I, I don't think he's near where we wanted him to be or, or where most fans were expecting him to be as a third round draft pick. I, but at this point, I think you got a very young guy um, who, who needs a, a little coaching. He's rough around the edges. Uh, give him some time. I think what's good is that we have a pretty deep secondary. I know JC Jackson going down kind of bites into that, but the, de- the, the versatility in that secondary, um, I don't, the guys that come into that room are, are going to be, legit just because there's so much competition are we going to keep four safeties is it going to be six corners like there's a lot of different routes we can go because there's a lot of guys safeties that can play slot that can play outside corner and vice versa so um i'm not too concerned just 
I, I think we have to pump the brakes a little bit on our expectations of when to see JT Woods excelling in this defense because I think we are well away from that. Um, the guy can't tackle at this point in his career. Well, that's kind of the thing right now is like he is the fourth, maybe fifth safety on the depth chart if Mark Webb is ahead of him. And at this point in time, I think Mark Webb's just a, a better player. Um, JT has just been a little slow to to catch on to, to things. Even in coverage, he, he's always yeah. late. Like he's yeah. always just a little bit late. He's he's not getting to the spots that he needs to. The tackling ability aside, like we drafted him for his coverage ability for the turnovers. And I felt like you got a little bit of the turnovers during OTAs, but all throughout training camp, he's been very, very quiet. And I think a lot of people are expecting him to be the third safety, the, to be the safety who comes onto the field when Jaron James comes into the slot, comes into the box, comes off the edge. We were expecting uh, JT Woods to be the guy that was, replaced him, and right now it's a Louis Gilman. Mm-hmm. And as it should be, it should be a Louis Gilman because Gilman had a really good camp last year. He had a good camp this year. Um, Aloe Gilman, a lot of people were talking about him not making the roster, but I think he's going to be a vital part of this defense this year based off of what I've seen just in the preseason. He's been one of the best defenders in the, during the preseason for us. So Aloe Gilman's definitely making this roster. I don't know how in any which way, shape, or form he is not on this roster, 53-man roster. And we really haven't got to see a whole lot of Mark Webb because Mark Webb's been injured most right. of camp, Right nursing little injuries here. Um, we'll talk about the 53 here in a bit, but there's not a whole lot of uh, success going around JT Woods, and he's going to play. He's a third-round pick. Um, the question is how much is he going to play and in what situations? Um, yeah. Because he has not looked very good and has become more of a liability than anything, and that's what concerns me. Yeah. I, I think a big – one thing that you know we can take, I guess, a little bit of. I, I think one thing to look at is the fact that the NFL is a hard league to acclimate to, regardless of what position you play. Um, and we've seen it recently with you know, the the two our two starting safeties, Nas Adderley and Aloe Gilman were guys who took a little while, like a full season to even be considered starters who have kind of grown into their roles and now are going to play significant minutes for us this season. Even Mark Webb last training camp, you saw flashes of it, but this time last preseason, you're like, yeah, he's not going to probably be a big part of this defense. And as the season grew on, he came more and more into his role, came more versed with NFL defenses and how offenses want to attack him. Um, And so he became more, you know, came more comfortable with his role. I think you're going to see a similar trajectory for JT Woods. He just needs more time. Um, and I think the fact that you have a solid safety room around him is, is going to help expedite that learning process, but he's not, he's not quite there yet. All right. Do you have any other comments from this game or do you want to start getting into 53 man roster predictions? Let's get into roster predictions. I, 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 I didn't even finish the, the game. Um, it, I was so disappointed. It was a hard one. We saw it was a rough game, um, and it's not a way that I would like. It didn't get me excited to go into the season, right? All the, everything else so far this season is getting been getting me excited. That was just such a downer. So I'm ready to move on. 
bring on the Saints, bring on our roster predictions. Um, I'm ready for I'm ready for Raiders week one, honestly. All right. So are you ready to cut bait with Chase Daniel or Easton Stick, or is there any form of way that you think that the two one of them doesn't make it? No, I, like I I would like to just keep Chase Daniel and use that third quarterback slot for another position, maybe a receiver six, maybe an extra DB. Um, but it, it seems that this coaching staff, that's not the way they like to keep their roster. It seems they see, they see value in both guys. I think both guys have been just okay um, through preseason. Another guy has made an outstanding play. Um, Stick made some pretty bad. I thought that interception was just a horrible throw, him trying to do too much. Um, but I think you saw some really bad throws from Daniel his first outing too, that just didn't get that should He should have had like three pick sixes that first game. He just, they, the DB just didn't come down. Yeah. Them, he, so. uh, he definitely had a few that were, he got just a little awful. Lucky with yeah. Really games. just, yeah. So not impressed from either one of those guys, but I have not seen anything that concerns me. Like they, they are serviceable backup quarterbacks. I would rather we just keep one. Um, but the, the coaching staff, for whatever reasons, they love both of these guys. Um, and they're, they're going to bring they're going to bring all three of them back. They basically ha- have told us that. So I get I get the reasoning behind keeping Chase Daniel. You're not keeping Chase Daniel based off of his playmaking ability, his no. rocket arm, which looked like a like jello a noodle. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're keeping Chase Daniel because of his brain and his knowledge of the system, uh, and helping to develop Herbert. Right, being that mm-hmm. player coach, seeing things from the eyes of a player versus seeing things through the eyes of a coach. And Easton Stick, you're kind of hoping that he's going to become the future backup. You know, a guy who signs a two-year veteran minimum contract to just stay on the squad and stay underneath Herbert, right. and then eventually, you know, start in the event there is some sort of injury that happens to Herbert or even, you know, playing garbage time. Easton Stick, I think, has got like six total snaps to his name throughout his four-year career. But Stick is a... Um, He's going to be a a free agent next year, so it is what it is. Where does Easton Stick fit in that? I think that he fits on the roster in the 53 because I think that a lot of teams are looking at their backup quarterback situation, and they're just willing to take a chance on somebody else, right? So I have three quarterbacks making the 53, regardless of how you see it. if you're looking for somebody to, that knows the offense, Easton Stick is going to be that guy in the future. And it's more mental than it is physical. Like it, it has less to do with how good is Easton Stick and more to do with how well does he understand the offense in the film room, which no analyst can tell you, only the coaching staff. Yeah. And that's, that's the real value, right? How does, does Easton Stick make Justin Herbert better in the future? That's well, my take on it. He's obviously doing something, or he's obviously helping that progression in some way, right? Or he wouldn't be on the team. Like there, there's something that we're not seeing. It's more than just X's and O's. I think they've talked about how all three. Well, of those that's guys what it is. It is X's and O's. It's not. It's not right. his arm. It's not his playmaking ability. Yeah. It's the X's and O's which you don't see on the field. And so I think that's what you. you those three guys, Herbert, Daniel, and now Chase, or uh, Easton Stick, those guys have built a really good 
camaraderie. It feels like the coaching staff doesn't want to break that up because they feel like if they move away from Easton Stick. That's going to, you know, damper these Herbert's trajectory. So I feel like they're just keeping the band together um, because it's been working these first two seasons. Moving on to running backs, uh, I have Austin Eckler, Isaiah Spiller, and Joshua Kelly making the 53. I do not have Larry Roundtree. Uh, the only thing that would make me think that they would keep Larry Roundtree is if Spiller is not going to be available for week one, which there's enough time there. The injury was very minor. Um, I don't see that being an issue. And I think Joshua Kelly has showed more bursts. He showed he's, – he's definitely separated himself from Larry Roundtree. And if I'm a coach and I'm looking at what Larry Roundtree showed last season, I'm showing what he showed this offseason – I have no problem stashing him on the practice squad and thinking nobody's going to be picking him up. So I look at it as more like a value more than anything. If you need to, you know, accelerate him back to the 53 man roster for week one, you're available to do that. But I don't think that Larry Roundtree is third on this depth chart. And I think it's Joshua Kelly. Uh, And I think Joshua Kelly has something to prove. I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and he looks much more explosive his decision-making still looks much better. Yeah. I think Isaiah Spiller has won, should have won the RB2 role just purely for the dynamic he brings to the running back room, having pe- both power and ability to make people miss in space. Kelly still doesn't have the ability to make people miss in space. He's just more decisive as a runner, hits the hole, and goes. Austin Eckler obviously is, is the star of the group. But I only have three. Do you think Larry Roundtree makes this roster, or are you looking at something else? No, I don't think. I, I, I think you saw Kelly kind of surpass him. Um, I think Larry Roundtree's path to making this roster was as a special team standout, and I think you've kind of seen that roll roll over to Kelly. He's taking the the up back um, reps in, in the punt and in the punt unit or the, for that punt coverage team. Um, he's getting more involved as a pass blocker. He's much improved as a route runner, which has never been round tree strength. So I think he, Kelly is just way more versatile at this point in his career. It gives you more value from that, that extra running back spot. Um, I just think, and then I think you, you, you hit it on, on the head with the fact that round is not, a real big threat to get scooped up. And if he does get scooped up, you're not really missing much. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really think you, you, you no. at this point you got, he's you a running back on a seven to four sixes. Like that's all you got to look at right there is running back around in the four sixes. Yeah. And I mean, he's a big guy, but he does, he, he, he doesn't, the power is not necessarily there for a guy, his size, right? You'd expect, he carries himself like a Herschel Walker. He's a really big dude, but he's the power is just not there. It's kind of deceiving. Um, I think Kelly has also kind of surpassed him in that realm too. That, and then Isaiah Spiller has it in, in, in you know in spades the just strength and ability to move piles. So I just don't. It's just see, dynamic, is what yeah, it is. He can, Spiller brings something totally different to this offense in terms of his playmaking ability. Just like him, his ability to make people miss and still have the have the ability to make them miss with speed or power, whether it's, you know, planting a foot and making somebody miss or running through them and getting the first down. He has both abilities where 
neither Kelly nor Roundtree have both of those abilities. Well, and I can't wait to see him run behind an NFL caliber line, not just this mix and match, you know, put together Swiss cheese line that he's been running behind. He's He's been having very underwhelming performances, but part because he's learning, but mostly because he's been running behind not great blocking. Um, so I can't wait to see him running behind Zion Johnson, Corey Lindsley, behind Rayshon Slater. That's going to be fun. Uh, which receivers do you have making the roster right now? I think the, the top five, five or six, five are solidified. I, I want, I like Bandy on the op. I like keeping Bandy. Um, I think sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. I like Bandy. I, I think you need to keep Bandy on this team. I want to keep six receivers. Um, I think they all offer something a little different. Um, Bandy's not a guy you've seen super involved in like the coverage teams this season, but I think it's something he could do. Um, I, I like Bandy. I think he's shown enough. Uh, to be on this roster. I think the fi the top five guys are all solidified, and then Bandy's kind of shown that he has a little to offer to the group as well. I think he's a good complement to the room. So I think Bandy makes the initial 53 to protect him from waivers. Uh, I don't think that he's out there week one. So, you know, they dress 46. He's not going to be one of the 46 that dresses. But I do look at him as a replacement next season for Jalen Guyton. Obviously, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton, DeAndre Carter are all going to make this roster. The four top guys there are all going to play significant roles. DeAndre Carter will only take that next step in the event 
Guyton, Palmer, Williams, or Allen are injured. Uh, I don't see him getting very many targets. There's not very many targets in this offense anyways. But if you're looking at Michael Bandy as a player that you want to protect, continue his development, he has to make the 53 because he's been one of the most impressive rookies uh, this entire offseason in the NFL in terms of uh, the preseason, the number of targets, what he's done with those targets, the route running. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to be trotting out on special teams because he's a small guy. We small. haven't seen him tackle. We haven't seen him even play kickoff or, or punt or, you know, even in the return game, he's not very dynamic as a returner. He's got a little bit of rackability, but that juice is not going to be something that that is purely catch run in open field. It's not like making guys miss. It's no. not running through tackles. He doesn't offer a whole lot in terms of his ability to create for himself. Uh, he's a guy who's able to create space. Absolutely. Uh, he's a good, he's a, he's a Wes Welker type, right? Wes Welker was never a dynamic kick return or punt return. He was a very safe they used the Patriots used Wes Welker as, as a returner quite a bit, but he never broke anything for, for large gains or anything. He was just a very reliable target. And if you're looking at a guy who's homegrown, I mean, San Diego native, mm -hmm. uh, somebody who's been with the Chargers, I want to say this is his third season with the Chargers, um, and you've kind of developed him, you don't want to let that talent go, especially when he's been in the system now for two years. And you're looking at him as potentially having a role next season, maybe playing in for some spot work, whatever that may be. Um, I think Michael Bandy has developed at a fast enough rate where you kind of want him to stay a charger. Um, and I think that's why he makes the roster, but he's not going to be a game day active. Not, not, you don't need six, a sixth guy to just waste space on your bench. Cause he never gets in. Yeah. I I think that's where I'm at with him. The fact that I don't, it, it's hard to see where he fits in. Yeah. Week one, but you, you, with the work that you have seen that progression over, over the three years with him being with, with the team, there's so much value there. So I think you got to bank on, is he going to continue to grow? He's, he's grown every year so far. Like if, is he going to take another step next year? If he takes another step next year, he's a legit wide receiver three in this league. So I think, he hasn't shown you that he's he's stopped progressing. I think he's a really good possession, move the chains receiver from the slot. So, um, I, I yeah, I think you can't give up on that experiment yet because it, it's showing you be good benefits, even though uh, the depth doesn't really mean that he, he's going to play a big role. I, I still think you need to stash him. So, I, I, yeah, I think he makes the roster just kind of by default because he's been so good this preseason. Uh, I have three tight ends making the roster. I was really, really struggling at keeping Hunter Kempmoyer as our uh, fourth tight end. Um, but right now it's Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, Trey McKitty. And I think that's really all you need at this point in time. I think Hunter is kind of on the outside looking in. Uh, yeah. I think Hunter has showed quite a lot of ability as a uh, as a, uh, a run blocker with the ability to, to you know, create some space for himself in the center of the field um, and, and get some targets there. I just don't think he's developed enough and I haven't seen enough of his special teams play to be able to say, you know, this guy could come in here and be our Steven Anderson. He's just not yeah. there yet. 
but I really like the development from what I've seen. I think Hunter going into his second year, having that familiarity with Justin Herbert, which is valuable from his time with Oregon. Mm. But I just don't think he has quite made the roster quite yet. He is an experiment that, you know, Gerald Everett leaves next season. Donald Parham signs a contract elsewhere that you can kind of hold on to him. He's He'll have been in, in the system for three years. Maybe he makes it as a third tight end. But right now it's Gerald Everett, who has really, really looked good to me in camp based off of what I've seen in person, based off the reports that I've seen, based off the videos I've seen. He's been a target monster, and I definitely think he's an upgrade over Jared uh Jared Cook. Uh, Donald Parham has been injured quite a bit. Uh, There is potential if Donald Parham isn't available week one that you bring in Hunter Campmoyer. But right now, I I don't think anybody's coming after Hunter. You know, if he hits waivers, he's hitting the practice squad. So, and then you got Trey McKitty, who is still developmental third round draft pick last season. Really, really good run blocker. A guy who has really good athleticism to potentially make a push as a receiver. I really like what I've seen out of Trey McKitty so far. Um, I still think we drafted him kind of high, but I understand why we did it. And I've seen the potential that is there, but I only have three making the roster. Do you have a fourth tight end? Healthy. I don't think there's any way, Um, but I I think the fact that Parham has not come back from that hamstring tweak um, that McKitty has been banged up all preseason I think if you do see four, it's going to be a health. It'll be because of a health, because of health, because those guys aren't hundred percent ready to go week one. Um, but I think completely healthy, those three guys give you enough. Um, just those three guys. It, and I was curious, are, are you keeping a fullback on this roster? Yeah, I was going to go to fullback next. Uh, Gabe neighbors or Horvath. I think we've kind of given Xander that fullback spot. But honestly, based off the film that I've studied, I think Gabe Neighbors has been the better fullback in terms of just blocking. And I think he's just more developed right now. And I went yeah. back and forth about it, but how many teams actually carry a, a, a true fullback in today's NFL? Very rarely. I think you can staff, stash Xander Horvath and not have to worry about it because I think Gabe has been a better player, and I think he's a, a – core special teamers to this group. And I think he's very valuable in the role that he's going to play where you're going to lose some of that special teams ability a little bit with Xander. Um, I like Xander's skill set. I don't think he, especially as a blocker, he has been missing a lot of blocks when he's been in there as a fullback. He's just not there. I'm, I'm taking Gabe neighbors and I'm stashing Xander because only half the teams carry a true fullback anyways, and most of them making a switch right before week one, I, I think that's highly unlikely. Yeah. Uh, neither neither guy has gotten a whole lot of snaps. Uh, it, it, we have very few sets that we even have a fullback. Um, so I think the big thing is the special teams, and Gabe Neighbors has been consistent contributor in that phase since he's been in the league. That's why he's on this team still beyond just the friendship with Herbert. That, that is it, is his special teams ability. Um, so I think you're right in the fact that he's refined. I, I, I want Xander because I'm like excited by the potential there. Um, but it, it's not, it's easy. He's to got fun a, attributes for sure. He's right. like uh, that, that 
fullback who could still play running, but like an old school fullback who used to take carries, right? Like that's what Xander is. Well, he's like kind of like yeah. If I was, if yeah, if I was, if we were playing like um, NFL Street, a guy that can has to play everything. He could do a little <laughs> bit of everything: tackle, uh, run the ball, run people over, run around them. So like I like that. Like he seems like he's a player that I would make in like a video game six seven could run four five like it, it's like the video game attributes get you excited but the the product on the field is not so refined um so i think yeah yeah i, I think a neighbors is a better, better player this today point. yeah today and, and for the player he, he is who's going to help you win more games that's and it there special teams being an important part of that gabe is improved he was a terrible first-year player, second-year player. They didn't trust him enough, and they put Steven Anderson there. And based off of what I've seen in training camp, based on what I've seen in these two games, I think He's Gabe Neighbors is just a little bit ahead. Now, I really think you can stash Xander Horvath. I, I think that you don't let him go, right? He's he's your, your fullback next season. Mm-hmm. But he needs to develop better as a – run blocker, which Gabe Neighbors is not very good at, but he is improved. He is a better run black blocker based off what I've seen so far. And I, I just don't know if if you're looking for a core special teamer, a guy who could potentially get hurt, by the way. You let, you let go of Xander, Gabe Neighbors goes to another team looking for playing time. Like he, right. he doesn't go to the practice squad. I don't think Gabe goes to the practice squad. I think well, he it's claimed on waivers by, you know, a team who, like, and yeah, I was just saying that, like, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of teams looking for a fullback, but a fullback with experience is different than a fullback who's a rookie who was a running back who transitioned to fullback. Like, it's totally yeah. different. Well, and I think a big part of the, you know, the, the, the discussion on whether to keep a player over another player who makes this team better today, who is going to help contribute to winning football. And I think at this point, the things that game neighbors can do, there's just more contributing factors that neighbors possesses than, than Xander does. Um, not that Xander can't get there. He's just not, he's just not refined. Um, three years in the, in the league for at a position that you have no experience is, is a lot. Moving on to the offensive line, uh, Rayshon Slater, Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, Zion Johnson, Trey Pipkins is who I have listed as the starter, uh, mainly because based off of all the accounts that we have seen, he's been taking all the first team reps these last two practices. Uh, Storm Norton is going to be the swing tackle. Jamari Salyer will probably be the first guard coming in the event of injury. Uh, Brennan Jaimez, I liked last season in the preseason. Yeah. I've seen enough from him during this preseason to be very comfortable with him. The one player that I'm not very comfortable with is Will Clapp. Uh, Will Clapp is going to make this roster purely because he's the only player with true center flexibility. Uh, if there was a, another offensive lineman who did make this roster, I think it would be Ryan Hunter, uh, who offers that guard tackle center flexibility. Um, but he hasn't played a whole lot of snaps, um, and it just doesn't seem like he is Lombardi's guy. I have him making the practice squad, but right now, like, Will Clapp didn't have any type of competition 
for that backup center position. A guy who snaps is kind of important. Uh, I have us carrying nine. Those are my nine. Eight at a minimum without Will Clapp, but if you lose Will Clapp, what's your contingency plan? And there isn't one. Yeah, you need – I I think you need them. Um, I don't think we carry quite two r- backups at each position, but I think with those four guys, um, the position versatility for, for four backups is enough there. Um, hopefully, the, the best-case scenario, none of those guys play a single snap. Um, but that's – it's the Chargers offensive line, so we kind of have to. But how often it, it does doesn't it, happen? Does, it doesn't happen. So one of those guys is going to play. If I had to guess, it's probably going to be Jamari Salyer taking over one of the guard positions. And I'm, uh, I'm and, excited about that. Yeah, and if you know, if you have two tackles that go down, that forces the coaching staff to play Jamari Salyer at right tackle, which I would love to see. I would That'd love to see him get that opportunity run away with it and be the team's starting right tackle for the future. Granted, is it going to happen? Probably not. And it would be a worse thing if it did happen because you don't want injuries on this offensive line. But I am much happier with the depth, having Jamari Salyer and Brendan Jaimez there. Uh, Even Storm Norton, as a player who has experience at starting experience at right tackle, is better than, you know, an unknown there. So we, we have knowns about three players. Will Clapp is the one exception. But I'm fine with the O-line depth, uh, and that's kind of where I'm at on that. Um, let's talk interior D-line. How many interior defensive linemen do you think that this team keeps, and which guys is it going to be? Are they going to cut Jerry Tillery? I think – let me pull up the depth chart. Um, I'd like – I want them to get rid of – to move away, I think <laughs> – I, honestly, it's not even just for me. Like, I think the guy needs – he needs, like, a change of scenery. He looks like a guy who's just, like, stuck in a toxic relationship that he just needs to bite the bullet, get out of there, move out, and start a new life somewhere, like, on the other side of the country. Like, send him to, like, the Jets or something. Um, I really think he needs it. The team needs it. It ha- it just hasn't worked out. Um, I think he still – I think he could still play in this league, but I, I think – you know, you need to bite the bullet now um, because I just don't think he's not going to improve in our system in L.A. It's just not going to happen. We've tried. Uh, we've put different faces around him. We've tried different defenses. We've changed his position. The The, the experiment has failed. Um, it's time to move on with from Tillery for both, for I both have, parties. I have six interior defensive linemen being kept. Uh, one kind of a big drop in my opinion. Uh, but if I had to guess, it's going to be special Joseph day, Austin Johnson and Morgan Fox is your three starters on the interior there. Uh, Jerry Tillery is going to be rotating in. Uh, Tito Agbonia is obviously going to be making it as a fifth round draft pick. I feel like he has to, even if he's not quite ready to take on significant steps. And I think Braden Fajoko is just too great, too important as a run defender where you kind of have to have him. He is, in my opinion, he's probably the best true nose tackle. I think he doesn't offer very much in his ability to get after the quarterback. But I even like him better than Special Joseph Day. Like I really, really think Braden Fajoko is a quality run defender who offers no sort of pass rush. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day is going to be the starter there, obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ahoko played meaningful snaps in a rotation 
with Joseph or Austin Johnson from the nose tackle position. I know you can move Joseph Day and Johnson to the three tech, uh, which is possible. But if one of those guys goes down, I think Fajoko is definitely playing significant snaps. Jerry Tillery is really the the, the question mark there because right. I don't know how Tillery gets on this field and makes this team better. Morgan yeah. Fox is a better player. Austin Johnson is a better player. Sebastian Joseph Day is a better player. I'd much rather play any three of those players at Tillery's position and move Fajoko to nose tackle than see Jerry Tillery play meaningful snaps because he is god-awful. He's been god-awful since he's been with us. The hard cut for me is Christian Covington. Christian Covington doesn't make my 53. Uh, and if he doesn't make my 53, I think that he gets claimed on waivers because I still think there there is a, a little bit of juice to squeeze for a team that is hurting at that position. I just think that when you look at our interior defensive line, I think we have enough players there. We have a strong enough rotation with six interior defensive linemen. There's no way we keep seven interior defensive linemen. Somebody has to go. It's either going to be Fajoko or it's going to be Christian Covington. If they cut Jerry Tillery and they kept Christian Covington, that's an upgrade to me. That's better for the player. That's better for the club. All sides win. But I just don't I, – I think that they want to turn Jerry Tillery. I, it's, I find it really hard for Tom Telesco to say this was a failed experiment. Yeah. So what was your final your, – your, you're keeping five or six? I'm keeping six. It's Sebastian Joseph Day, uh-huh. Austin Johnson, yeah. Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery, Otito, okay. and Fajoko. Yeah. But if you want to be brave, cut Jerry Tillery and keep Christian Covington. Uh, yeah. Um, that's the well, right answer. In my opinion, that's the right answer. That's but the I right think answer. That I, Tillery honestly, offers more pass rushing ability. And I think that's yeah. what you're banking on. A guy to come in on third down, third and long, and go get after the quarterback. Well, and I could see them, honestly, for – they, like – they like both of those guys and Jerry Tillery and Christian Covington. So I think they could even go as I, I don't want them to go this route. I think Fajoko has earned his spot, but I could definitely see them having that guy be their, their odd man out um, in that rotation, just because they have the, they have eyes for Tillery and Christian Covington in this office, the defensive, the Staley and Ronaldo Hill. They love both of those guys. So this I, is I, the hardest thing to look at is looking at the interior defensive line knowing that you're not going to get seven guys there there's no way seven guys make it there just a bad none of them none of them offer any special teams ability at all no so you can't keep seven and i don't see any which way that they let go of seabass austin johnson or morgan fox those are those are the lock those are the locks in my mind. Otito, because he's the draft pick, those those four guys have to make the roster, in my opinion. It's how do those other three guys pan out? out? Yeah, and you could honestly go one through three for all of them. You can mix and match them. They're, like, interchangeable, I really think, um, it, at this point. I, I know who I like more. Um, to me, it's Fajoko, Covington, Tillery in that order. Um and that's my order too. Um, but, but when it's just really difficult because 
Jerry Tillery offers the pass rush, the, the best pass rush ability of the three. Brian Fajoko offers the best run defense of the three. And Covington is a mix of the two. And then if you want to look at salaries, Jerry Tillery would probably save you a little bit against the cap. Probably not a whole lot. Brian Fajoko is worth almost nothing. And Christian Covington is on a $1.1 million deal. So, again, if you're looking at it in terms of salary, you'll save a little bit, eat some dead cap of Jerry Tillery, let him get his fresh start. Maybe you try to trade him for a seventh or sixth round draft pick. Try to get something in return. I'll take an apple. Yeah, anything. But I just don't see Jerry Tillery being on the field helping you. Maybe he develops a little bit more during the off the the season. By week eight, yeah. he's a a quality defender, and then he leaves in free agency next year anyway. So who cares? I don't see how Jerry Tillery makes us better when Morgan Fox is better at everything that he's doing, from pass rush ability to run defense. I just don't see how Jerry Tillery makes his team better, and that's the hard pill to swallow. He doesn't make the team better as the fifth best interior defensive line as a first round draft pick. Well, and I'll tell you what, when though when that fifty three man roster does get finalized, that this is going to be the first position that I, I jump to. I think it, it the, the the roster kind of this is the most important position because it kind of determines what shakes out in the other positions for across across the roster. So this is the probably the first spot in that depth chart that I'm going to go to like to see who we kept because to me right. it is the most important um I, I guess indicator on on who we keep in other positions let's move on to linebacker I have six linebackers purely Whoa. because of special teams value uh I've got Kenneth Murray Kyle Van Noy who I'm listing as a linebacker but he has that flexibility to play off the edge as well so yeah. if you really want to get into it, it's five edge players, five linebackers. Uh, I got Drew Tranquil, obviously probably the best special team player we have, probably a player who should start. I think he's better than Kenneth Murray overall, uh, and he's probably even better at this point in his career than Kyle Van Noy, maybe not as cerebral, maybe not as smart, but in terms of just athletic ability, I think Drew Tranquil can be an X factor on this team. Mm-hmm. I think Troy Reader is going to be a core special teamer who has starting experience. It makes a lot of sense to keep him. I have Nick Neiman making the roster fifth round draft pick just uh, a season ago. Super, super ultra athletic core special teamer. And then the guy who's been turning heads, a guy who I think earned the roster spot is going to be Damon Lloyd. Damon Lloyd has been really, really good all camp. I've been reading in, in all of Daniel Popper's articles I've seen him flash on film. I think Damon Lloyd makes this roster one of those guys who probably doesn't hit the 46-day, 46-man day day roster, but a guy who you kind of want to keep around because I think that he's one of those developmental players who takes over for Troy Reader next season when Troy Reader is a free agent. Uh, For a guy who could potentially come in if Kenneth Murray doesn't get offered a fifth-year contract and ends up being a dud, Damon Lloyd's played really well, especially against the run. Uh, and pass protection, uh, I think that he showed enough umph there to, to be reliable in coverage. Not the strongest guy in pass coverage, but he's a guy that, that you could potentially develop those skills. One of those developmental players that I, I've liked so far from what I've seen and what I've heard. 
Yeah. So I, I like everything you said, um, but I was taking a look. I'm pretty sure yesterday they designated Damon Lloyd to the injured reserve. They put him on the injured reserve. No way. Did I totally miss that? Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, so first the team waived. Cornerback Tavon Campbell, linebacker Damon Lloyd, and Ed Rusher tied Shelby with injury, injury designations. I did not know about the injury designation, but Devin Lloyd has been phenomenal. Just so that I can keep this as is, I'm going to throw in <laughs> Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga, the big yeah, Ogbong-Bamiga. Because I think also you're looking at somebody who's going to potentially play on special teams. Um, yeah. If it's not Ogbong-Bamiga, it's probably going to be Dean Leonard, which we'll talk about later. Um, that's a tough I pill to swallow because – Lloyd had a great camp, really, really that good camp, and I did not see that he was injured. So, yeah, um, but I, I think you nailed it. I think healthy Damon Lloyd has done way too much to – I feel like he's the, the Amon Agumiga of, of this of this preseason, just showing that flash, flash in practice, was really good special team player through the, the preseason games, um, and then I, I think – I think you, he's he will be a guy we see make his way onto this team once he heals up and, and, and deals with that injury. I'm not even sure what it is. Um, this one was kind of those ones that kind of just caught me off guard. But um, I, I think Damon Lloyd will be playing as a Charger sometime this season. I, I just think it kind of depends on how fast he heals up from whatever injury it is that he's, that he's nursing right now. That one hurt me a little bit because I really, really liked Lloyd. And nice, I, yeah. All right, so I'm going to take away Ogbong Pamiga. Uh, we'll move on to cornerbacks. So J.C. Jackson, Bryce Callahan, and currently Michael Davis are going to be your starters. Bryce mm -hmm. Callahan will play in the slot. J.C. and Michael Davis play outside. Asante Samuel may be coming in in some dime packages to play the other slot position. Uh, may end up uh, rotating with Michael Davis in certain sets depending on who's out on the field. Uh, I think Jasir Taylor also offers yeah. that slot flexibility. Also, some outside flexibility, though he's been playing primarily in the slot. Mm -hmm. uh, the last player I'm going to have make this, I think I've seen enough from Dean Leonard to have him keep him around as that seventh, um, sorry, that sixth cornerback. As a seventh round draft pick, I think he showed a lot of potential. A lot of people pointed toward his film uh, week one, week two, he looked much better. Um, I think there's a lot of developmental aspects of his game that you really like because he's been sticky in coverage yeah he's played very badly at playing the ball and that's kind of been his major issue yeah but he has flashed over camp and i think he's earned at least a spot on the 53 to save him from somebody else uh probably pretty still unlikely somebody goes and, and pulls up him from our practice squad but i think that when you're looking at a player that you want to develop, that you want to keep, um, I like Dean Leonard for what we've seen from him. I mean, this guy was playing in in uh, the C Canadian Football League like two seasons ago. Yeah. Um, and now he's in the NFL. You'd expect a little bit of, you know, issues in his growth, but his growth overall has been very fast and good. So I'm going I'm to keep Dean Leonard. We're going to keep five linebackers. I still don't have Akbang Bumiga making the roster, so I I think 
I think we are going to see Dean make the roster. Um, and I think a big part of why, you know, he, ha- he has been, we have seen the, the hiccups in his growth uh, is the fact that we are auditioning to him in a lot of different roles, coverage teams, di- um, inside, outside. He's listed as a safety right now, just because of lack of depth at the corner position. So like they've been trying him out in a lot of different spots. And so, I think when you kind of when you finalize that roster, when you have your starters and you kind of have a more defined role for Dean Leonard, you're going to see him kind of excel a little faster than he has so far because we are just throwing so much at him. He's not going to be playing all 15 positions that we've seen him run rolled out in um, in the preseason. It's going to be a handful of those. Um, So I think when you, you you define his his role for this team a little more um you're gonna see the the progression kind of catch up there i, I think and i think that he also has that outside flexibility which you're really looking for because you've got asante samuel who i think plays pretty well on the outside just sir taylor i think is purely a slot defender right now yeah dean leonard's got some juice he's got some speed and he's a guy that can play outside he plays physical i like his ability at tackling like i i think he showed a lot more uh, his ability to break down uh, and, and wrap up. Um, I, I, I really like what I see from the guys. So, Well, and I think he fits this system very well because he is a versatile DB. And so I think another part of it is this team kind of auditioning him to where is the best spot for him? Where does he make this team better? Um, is it in the slot? Is it outside? Is it at safety? Is it at, you know, star or money like so i think they're they're figuring all of that out um and i think come week one you're going to have a, a more clear path um what that role is and i think he's going to excel because of it so we got seven spots left on this roster Uh-oh. three of those are taken up by special teams dustin hopkins jk scott josh harris those are gimmies uh your final four players is going to be Derwin james nasir adderley i've got a gilman and jt woods the one player that's not on this list is purely because he's had a lot of injury issues. That's going to be Mark Webb. Mm-hmm. Mark Webb's going to resort to the practice squad. I don't think I need to dive to, into that too deep. I think Louis Gilman's been the third best safety in this camp. He's taken all of the, the, the first team snaps in place of Derwin James. Looks significantly better than JT Woods. JT, yeah, I, I like Gilman a lot. A lot of people didn't think he was going to make the roster. For my practice squad... I've got Larry Roundtree, Xander Horvath. I'm going to keep Joe Reed. I saw enough from one preseason game. He's going to be the guy that probably takes over kick returner duties in the event DeAndre um, Carter gets injured. Uh, I've got Hunter Campmoyer. Again, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, Ryan Hunter has got flexibility to play all different places on the offensive line and probably been our best non-53 man offensive lineman, uh, Zach Bailey. Um, I went back and forth between Zach Bailey and the other offensive tackle. I went back and watched the film. Um, Foster Serrell has been god-awful, so there's no way I want him anywhere near this team. (laughs) I've got Ty Shelby potentially making the practice squad as one of those other guys. I know he's got some injury issues. Did they put him on the pup list or no? I think he he got, I'm pretty sure, designated with, yeah, Tavon Campbell and Damon Lloyd on IR. All right, so no Ty Shelby, so I'll have to find another 
um, practice squad guy. I've got Eamon Ogbongamiga. Uh, Joe Gaziano is going to be the old guy to that practice squad list and the guy who's got some familiarity with this team over the last couple of seasons. I had Dean Leonard, but he's obviously not going to be in there anymore either because I have him making my 53 now. Mark Webb and Ben DeLuca. So I've got two more spots open. Uh, they'll probably add another linebacker, so maybe Cole Christensen. And uh, I'll let you try and figure out the last guy to make the 16-man practice squad. Hmm. Oh, I got it. It's going to be the running back, um, uh, Letty Brown. They like Letty. They like Letty Brown. So Letty Brown's going to be my – I'm really excited to see how this ends up actually turning out because it's going to be totally different. It, well, yeah, um, right. It, it, to me – I think we are on the same page of who, who I want to keep, you want to keep, we're on the same page. And then who the Chargers are going to end up keeping is always different. But um, I think the way this roster is shaking now, I, I don't know how you can be a Charger fan um, and, and not be excited. On, on, on paper, this is a dream team come true. Like I had to get I, – I don't play a whole lot of Madden. Um, but I had to get it this season because the Chargers are absolutely stacked. They're one of the best teams in the game, and it's so much they fun. They are. It's never been the case. They're always so, so poorly rated um, in their life. So the fact that they are one of the best teams in the game, I, I had to bite the bullet and get it. Um, and so far, I've been enjoying it. Um, I can't wait for week one against the Raiders. I just – I feel like I've been waiting for this for, for – the last two months and it can't come soon enough. I think the one place that I think we're kind of weak on is practice squad wise is interior defensive line, which is a little bit weird. Um, Cause we only have us keeping Joe Gaziano and as kind of an older guy, but what we'll end up seeing, I I've got Madden as well. I I'm addicted to Madden. I've always have been just because <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I enjoy the whole game planning aspect of it. Um, playing an opponent and then trying to figure out their tendencies and then try to game plan around those tendencies. But it is what it is. Uh, I, I think that's all that we got. I guess we'll check back in next week after the 53-man cutdown. I don't think it's really relevant to talk about this next game because, honestly, I think it's going to be throwaways. No starters are going to be playing. No guys that they actually think are going to make the 53 like easily are going to play. So, you won't see Isaiah Spiller. You won't see Austin Eckler. Chase Daniel and Easton Stick will get some playing time. I'd be surprised if Allen, Williams, Palmer, or Guyton play at all. Even Carter, I, I wouldn't expect to play at all. Um, maybe they throw Trey McKitty out there. Gonna, I, I would probably say Jamari Sawyer, Brendan Jaimes will put, get some playing time. Uh, if they've made their decision at the right tackle position, Pipkin shouldn't play. Me assuming Pipkins makes it. I would still play Chris Rumpf, Jamal Davis, and the other edge defenders. Um, I play Atito quite a bit this game. I would not play any of the other interior defensive linemen. Uh, I play Fahoko maybe. Uh, Nick Neiman should be playing a lot this game. Uh, Jasir Taylor and Dean Leonard should play a lot. I'd pull a little Gilman from this game, honestly. And I would purely, I'd play JT Woods the entire game. 
the entire yeah, he game. Just, he just needs reps. I mean, um, yeah, I, I'd play him too. He, he's a young guy. Yeah. See what he see what you have in him. Um, yeah. I would play him the entire game and let him let everybody else rotate around him, but stick him in the entire game. Just get as much reps as you can from the guy. Let him play the entire game. And then all those practice squad guys should be playing as well. But yeah. I, I wouldn't pull JT Woods out. I would not – definitely would not play Zion Johnson this game. No, I don't I, think – yeah. Um, I this should like, be a game of nothing but guys who are not going to make the roster and, and young guys who are not going to be a focal point of your offense or defense but could still use the reps. So there's no way I'm, I'm playing almost anybody important at all. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I, and I think just doing the 53-man recap will get enough tidbits about, uh, you know, in reference to the Saints game um, that that'll be enough in in itself. So, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, breaking down the 53-man roster and seeing it up who, who ends up making it. Plus, you never know who gets cut. And during the 53, so he ends up coming over to the Chargers anyway. So there was always one. Surprises, right. All right, thank you guys. Over now.